When I was a youth pastor up in Erie, I, uh, I did a series one Lent of youth groups where we took a look at movies about Jesus, movies on the life of Jesus. It was really fun to go back with these kids and watch um, bits of Jesus Christ Superstar and King of Kings, and we even did some blasphemous ones. We did, uh, you know, um, uh, what was Francis Ford Coppola's one, um, and uh, a couple of those. We even did a couple clips from Family Guy, which is a terribly inappropriate show that the kids were all watching at that time. And look at how Jesus was portrayed in film. And Jesus is, Jesus is very hard to portray in film. Okay? Because Jesus ends, to be, ends up being almost like too human and kind of wussy sometimes. Or he can be like this sort of robot and very serious. And I wonder if perhaps the movie that gets Jesus most accurate to the way I read him in the Gospels is Godspell. Do you remember Godspell? Everybody remember Godspell? Sort of, it's sort of hippie Jesus, right, with the clown face. But he's fun, and he's goofy, and he's smiling, and he's telling stories. And, and I wonder if, perhaps, that's how Jesus really was. You know, Jesus, and I was amazed this week in studying this, how much time Jesus spent at parties. He's always at a party, it seems. His first miracle was, a, was at a wedding feast where he made the wine. In three of the four Gospels, Jesus is at a party within the first two chapters. The one he's not is Matthew, and that's the more Jewish one and the more serious one sometimes. Jesus is at parties. He's always drawing a crowd. People are always throwing him parties. If there were paparazzi in Jesus' day, they would have been snapping pictures of all the things Jesus was doing around. And he was the kind of guy that could get you past the velvet rope into a club that you couldn't get into on your own. Because everybody wanted to be around this guy and around this, this interesting character. Now, parties in the first century were, were multifaceted. Sometimes you had banquets and wedding banquets. But the Jewish people also had feasts and festivals and had special meals that they shared together. These often involved food, wine, dancing, and certain other traditions depending on what the feast was. And in those days, to share a table with someone was to accept them, to forgive them or to express the value of the relationship with them. Jesus spent so much time of his ministry at parties and telling stories that he got a bad reputation for it. Listen to Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus speaking about himself and what people are saying about him. He said, For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they said he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look at him. A glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Jesus' party etiquette and the choices that he made greatly offended the Pharisees and others around him. Seemed like even John the Baptist in the middle of this verse is questioning if he could be the Messiah if he spends so much time at parties. The Pharisees took very seriously their desire to be holy. Okay, the, the Pharisees get a bad rap, and probably rightfully so, but they, they were trying. What they understood was that Israel, Israel didn't look like it was supposed to. And they remembered the stories of the exile, how they'd been, how they'd been taken off. And so they really wanted Israel to be more holy. That was, that was where they were coming from. And what they understood was that the temple, the temple was often uh, sort of bought, sort of paid for. It was easy for the temple to be corrupt. So the Pharisees wanted to move the, lo- the location of holiness 
from the Jewish temple to the Jewish home. So they took very seriously your practices in your home because they thought, that's how Israel can be set apart, that's how Israel can be holy. By the way, the Pharisees win that argument in the end when the temple is destroyed and you get what's called rabbinic Judaism and Judaism really moves in that direction. So they really took seriously who you ate with because who you ate with is who you were accepting. Your eating and your partying companions reflected who you were. Furthermore, they were very serious if you're going to eat with them. They wanted their table to be an extension of the temple, the extension of God's holiness, that you wash your hands, that you went through the cleaning ceremony that the Jews demanded. Jesus is called a friend of tax collectors and sinners because he often ate with them. He often parted with them. He often hung out with them. And he did not force them to wash their hands. Okay? Um, there were also great importance on where you sat at a party. Anyone who has ever planned the seating at a wedding reception knows this, right? I've been to three weddings in the last two weeks. And when you're planning the wedding, the, the wedding reception, you can't like put these two people together because they fight. And this family needs to be closer. And that family, well, I will put them way in the back in case they get too crazy at the party. It's like this whole social thing. It's a people's choice award when you plan out the, the, uh, the wedding party. That's how it was really in Jesus' day. Where you sat was important. The closer you sat to the host, the more important you are, the further out you knew you weren't near as important. But Jesus didn't follow all these rules. Now listen, Jesus was without sin, and he did nothing that ever displeased his father. So, so please understand, these aren't bachelor parties, okay? I'm not saying Jesus is going wild and crazy. But he was around those kind of people. And he was around some of those kind of parties to the point that people could call him a glutton and a drunkard because of the company he hung out with. Okay, he's without sin. I'm not saying he's sinning. But he was close enough to those parties that he got a reputation for it. You understand? Now, let's look at a few examples from the life of Jesus that show us from his teachings and parables and actions that he loved to party. First, we see several examples of controversies that Jesus had at parties. I'm going to be in Luke chapter 5 right now. Luke, and, and actually, the whole gospel of Luke, if you go through it, he's at a party in every other chapter. In Luke, he's at a party or a banquet in every other chapter, it seems. Luke 5, starting in verse 27. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. You would know him as Matthew, by the way. Same guy. Sitting at a tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call the right, not the... I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Okay? Tax collectors and sinners are particular kinds of people. Tax collectors weren't as dishonest. We, we think of them as like cheesy used car salesmen, you know? That's the reputation they have. But, but here's what, the tax collectors were really got a bad reputation because they sold out their own people to make money getting taxes for the occupying army. You understand? They're betrayers. They're not cheats. Sometimes they were cheats. But their, really rep, their real reputation is they're betrayers of their people. Okay? Sinners are people who, for some reason, because of their occupation, um, 
Be, and that could mean if they were in a lewd uh, uh, occupation, could mean that they work with pigs or something that's dirty, where they can never go into the temple and be cleansed, right? They can never make sacrifice because they're, they're dirty. Or something's wrong with them. If they have some kind of illness, where, where the, the, we, we know of a woman that was bleeding, we know of, of all these people. Those people are called sinners because they can never go to the temple and be made right with God. Do you understand? They're lumped into sinners because they're doomed to be sinners because they can never go make sacrifices. They can never be clean enough to go be holy. So Jesus calls Matthew to follow him and he, he, um, he calls all his friends. And he throws this big blowout party and there's a bunch of tax collectors that are sitting down with Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes are ticked off. How could you hang out with these betrayers of our people? They make money working for the opposing army by taking money from us. What does Jesus say? Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. On another occasion, two chapters later in Matthew 7, starting in verse 36, Jesus is eating in the house of a Pharisee. This is something the Pharisees did with Jesus because they wanted to be important, and so you as a host wanted to have somebody important sitting close to you. Okay? And so he calls, uh, he, he brings Jesus in. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city, who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. And standing behind him at his feet, sitting behind him, at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet and her, with her tears and wiped them with uh, her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when Jesus, who had invited... When, now when the Pharisee, who had invited him to see this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner." Jesus goes on to tell a story about a moneylender who forgives a large debt and a small debt. And he asks the Pharisee, who's going to be more thankful? The one who had a large debt forgiven or a small debt? And of course, the large debt. Jesus understands the sinner, the sinner of a woman to be grateful for his grace. He does not shame her for coming into the party or turn her away when she should never have been touching him. She should never have let him touch him. Let her touch him. He was not being proper at this party, and the Pharisee is upset about it. Probably Jesus' greatest teaching on parties comes in Luke 14. So now we're a little bit later in Luke. Jesus is at a party, dining at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, one of the top-notch dudes in the Pharisees. This guy was important. And because he's important, everybody at the party is fighting to sit near him. You know what I mean? They're like, they come and they sit right next to them and they get scooted down and they get scooted down and there's this, this big, big thing about who's going to sit in the, part, part, in the places that were important. And so Jesus says, or, or Jesus in Luke 14, verse 7. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the place of honor, lest more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then, we'll begin with, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. 
But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus says, sit in the lower spot. Sit in the lower spot so you're not embarrassed, right? If you go sit in the high spot and somebody more important comes and they got to ask you to move down, go sit in the low spot so the host goes and gets you and says, come on, you're, you belong up here and you're honored in front of everybody. Jesus is trying to teach these people humility. He's trying to teach this Pharisee and the Pharisee will not understand it. He will not understand how God's kingdom, in God's kingdom you should take the lowest chair. And so Jesus talks to this Pharisee. Verse 12. He also said to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. When you, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And he's trying to teach this Pharisee, you've got your parties wrong too. You're inviting to be popular. And that's not how this kingdom works. But, but he can't quite get it. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of heaven. And when he says that, he's talking about not the sinners and the tax collectors, but everybody who's actually going to get in. He doesn't think that those people are going to get in. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who were invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I have, brought, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go, I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of the city, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded I have done, and there is still room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This is the position that Jesus takes. Everybody's invited to the party. Everybody's invited. In fact, those Pharisees and those Sadducees that, that, uh, and those scribes, that knew the Jewish faith, that understood, and now are rejecting Jesus' party, are going to be in trouble. In the very next chapter, Jesus tells stories you're probably familiar with. The first is a parable where there's a lost sheep, and the shepherd goes out and finds that sheep, and what does he do? He throws a party. In the next parable, a woman loses a coin, and she tears apart her house to find the coin, and when she finds it, she's so happy, she throws a party. And in the third parable... A father's son is lost. He goes and he spends his prodigal years in another country, wasting away. And he comes back to his father. And what does the father do? There's a party. Another party. A big party. In fact, this party is so big that the text says the brother can hear the party in the field a long way off. Okay? When the father throws a party, the police might need to be called because we're violating the noise control. That's this kind of party. 
But he says he tells that party, he tells that that story, because those Pharisees are that elder brother. You understand? They're the ones that won't go into the party. They're the ones sitting on the outside, mad because the dirty person, the one who wasted all the money, the one who's been through all the sin, the one who's gone through all of that, that person's in the party. Think about the parties of Jesus in the Bible. That he serves thousands of people. That he celebrates a Passover with his disciples. And in one of my favorite stories, go back and read Genesis 4. Cain and Abel present their offerings to the Lord. A burnt offerings. And the Lord doesn't, doesn't accept uh, Cain's offering of grain. But he likes Abel's offering of meat. God is a fan of barbecues too. Do you see that? As Craig Blomberg puts it, there were always kingdom purposes involved in Jesus' presence at banquets and other special meals. Yet it remains striking how willing he, is, he was to socialize even in the intimacy of table fellowship with anyone and everyone for the sake of accomplishing his mission. What Jesus understood was when I eat with somebody, I accept somebody. And I want everybody at this party. Everywhere, everybody who's gone through all kinds of stuff, anybody who's done bad things in their past, I want everybody at this party. And you know who has the most trouble with this party? The religious people. The religious people who think they have it all together. In fact, the elder brother, do you know what the word for elder is? Presbuteros. It's where we get the word Presbyterian. Okay? The Pharisees are the Presbyterians. You understand that? <laughs> We've got it all together. We can't understand why Jesus would extend grace to all these broken, sinning people. These sellouts. And yet He does. And He accepts us in the party too. No matter what we've done and no matter what we've gone through. And I think that Craig Blomberg is right. Jesus is using parties strategically to accept people and love people and give people grace. But I also disagree with Craig Blomberg. When I read Jesus in the Bible... I think maybe he also just liked to party. He just liked to have fun. He just liked good company. He just liked joy. Psalm 115.3 says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. Psalm 37 tells us to delight ourselves in the Lord. How many of you remember the Westminster Catechism? What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and what? Enjoy Him forever. What happened to Christian joy? Yes, the Bible talks about some things like self-denial, suffering, tribulation, taking up your cross. But there's also fun and joy in the Bible. Some Christians have even sought to hurt themselves as part of their following of Jesus. I don't understand that at all. I think if you're going to follow this Jesus guy, okay, your life ought to be filled with joy. Christians are the most joyful grateful, fun people out there. Okay, we ought to be at parties. We ought to love to have people over to celebrate at our table. Okay, we ought to enjoy the company of others. We ought to be those kind of Christians. If you're going to follow this Jesus, if you're going to try to imitate this Jesus, you got to be like this. Because we were accepted at the party. And God has party for lots of other people. And sometimes, how God brings people into the party is based on your joy and your acceptance of other people. Sometimes people think they've gone through so much that God can't accept them. And it's the job of Christians to say, "Uh uh-uh, I'll show you. Come over to my house. Come over to my house for dinner. 
come over to a, to a banquet and bring your kids to vacation Bible school and let's have fun. And I'm here to show you how accepted you can be and how much your past doesn't matter to God because it doesn't matter to me either. So come to the party. Don't just stop by on Sundays. Don't just pop by and say, hey, just stopping by, see how it's going. Live your life as a party. Follow this Jesus into his joy and into his love and take that joy and love out into the world. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.